Welcome to First Response Fishing Podcast, where we have first responders, veterans, and special guests discussing all things fishing. Take a moment, click that follow button or subscribe button, depending on the platform you're listening to us on. That way, when we put out new content, you know right away. Welcome to First Response Fishing. Today we have Rick from Monster Bass. Uh, how you doing, Rick? Good. How are you, man? I am doing great on this 25-degree day up here in Wisconsin. Nice. Nice. So we, we've had other guests that have mentioned you, but I, I really am looking forward to this chance to talk with you because you're one of the most real guys I've ever experienced from your videos in the industry. So we're going to start like we do every episode, which is... What was your first fishing pole that you ever remember owning and using? Yeah, you know, as a little kid, um, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. Now, my grandparents, they had hundreds of acres, and uh, they grew grapes for welches. And so up in the, up in the vineyard, up, up in the mountains, there was this big pond, and my grandfather would snock it for me. and. Uh, my very first pole was literally like a bamboo pole. And it, I swear to God, like, I don't know how long it was, but I, but like looking back at it, I felt like it was like, you know, like a 10 foot pole or something, but it was literally just a piece of brown bamboo and um, with a line on the end of it. It didn't even have like a reel. So you're rocking it old school then. Old school, old school. See, like mine was the uh, Ninja Turtle Zebco one. Oh, nice. And we and we talked about um, Jeff from Burley Fishing had the same one, but he's yeah. just a different character. And we were talking about you know how you always scratched off the characters you didn't like, and you always had the one that was your your guy. Of course. But fun fun fact that a lot of people don't know is my my dad when I was growing up lived in California, and I know that's mm. where you're at. Yeah. Um, we were up more by Sacramento Citrus Heights area. Sure. And they have all of the, um, I'm trying to think, it's like walnut or something farms, and they have drainage dishes that run through them. Yeah. So my first experience as hunting was a fishing hunting combination where we would go out with our little Zebco poles and fish for panfish in the rivers and then shoot, they call them ground squirrels, they're chipmunks with right. 22s and i remember my dad hooking into a catfish that was oh. you know not not huge but decent sized catfish that we didn't even know was in there and at the same time he's trying to reel it in and with a 22 pistol in his other hand trying to pick off the ground squirrels that are trying to come down and attack his line oh my because gosh. they thought it was food dangling in the water right so that, that was always a fun fun thing to watch because you know how many people can shoot and fish at the same time well, yeah, that and it's a twenty-two pistol. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I've ever seen one of those. Yeah, it was old six, six shooter style revolver yep. twenty-two, and that that thing was, I guess, muse. Nice. <laughs> it was a chipmunk slayer. Yeah, for sure. So, for those that don't have a whole lot of experience, because we do have a lot of beginner anglers who are listening to our podcast, um, tell us how you came to be 
in the fishing industry and then how Monster Bass came to be? Because I know that's kind of two separate yeah. renditions. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I never intended to be in the outdoor recreational space. Like, you know, if you had asked my mother, you know, which one of her two boys would be in bass fishing, I would have bet the farm. I would have been like my brother. Cause if you give my brother one day left on the planet, kids throwing a dip in, probably going to bass pro shops, taking all this stuff out and going fishing. He loves bass fishing. And I think secretly he's a little, he's a little upset with me that I'm the one that gets to go and do all this stuff. Um, you know, I came from the high tech space. Uh, you know, I finished grad school in Boston, moved to Vancouver, British Columbia, helped bring a tech company public. Uh, we lived up there for about 10 years and then moved to, to Los Angeles. And uh, I worked in an agency. And at the time, these guys showed up and they wanted to build a website. And they had a lot of money. Like they wanted to spend like 200,000 bucks on this website. I was like, I was listening to their idea. And I was thinking to myself, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. Like, I can't take their money. Like, they want to build a membership website for fishing reports. And all I had to do was Google, like, fishing reports and name any lake, and I could find all the fishing reports I ever wanted for free. I was like, why is someone to pay for this? So I was like, listen, go. Here's three other firms. Go see them. And I kept thinking about fishing and my brother because, like I said, give him one day left on the planet. He's going fishing. And it stuck with me for a little bit. And then I went to the, the Bassmaster Classic. I was like, I got to go see what this is all about. Because for some reason, I can't get fishing off my brain. So I went to the Bassmaster Classic and I went to the weigh-in. And that's when the whole, my whole attitude changed. Because I didn't really know much about the sport of bass fishing. Because again, my brother was the angler in the family. I, I used to go with my grandfather and, and all that stuff. But, you know. I was more into golf than I was into fishing. And this is what it, this is how it played out in my head as someone that knew nothing about, uh, nothing about bass fishing. I sat at the weigh-in and there was a lot, of, it was, I was in New Orleans that year at the Red, Red River and there was a ton of fog and, and everything was delayed. And, and so they, I would watch as the, the weigh-in started. It was like the WWF, right? Like, you know, the fireworks are going off. They're driving around in the Toyota Tundra. I'm watching people with signs. And I'm thinking to myself, what in God's name is this? And then the magic happened, right? And someone would get up and they'd be like, and this is what I called it at the time. I'm like, uh, you know, there's so much fog today. If it wasn't for my Triton radar system, uh, I wouldn't have been able to, to do what I needed to do. And then the next guy would get up and yeah, I, you know, I didn't have one of them radar systems. So I just followed him around. And, and then I watched as every guy in the audience was like, baby, I need one of them Triton radar systems. I was like, I'm like, what is going on? And then the next guy would get up and, and I just watched as the, the magic of product placement took place. And I, and then I was like, okay, this audience really buys the product. So I went back and, and I went back to Los Angeles. I called those guys up and said, listen, I got an idea. I said, if you want me to build it, I will, but I need a piece of the company. And cause their idea was fishing reports. And I was like, this is silly. Like we should have the fishing report website, but we should give all the way, all the fishing reports away for free just to drive everybody to the website. And so I came up with the idea of, of, of Lucky Tackle Box. And then they said no. 
they are like, eh, we don't think it's a good idea. And then they sat on it for about a year. And then they called me up one day because I had sent them a press release about mystery tackle box starting. And I was like, see, someone else has the idea. And so then they came back and they said, okay, let's build it. So we built lucky tackle box. So that's how I really got into the outdoor space was because these guys wanted to build something that I thought was silly. And then I had another idea and it almost didn't get built because they, they, they said no. Um, and that was great. You know, mystery had a, a head start on us. And back in the day you were firmly entrenched because there was really only two players. It was mystery or lucky. There were some other ones like tackle grab and others that had come and gone, but there were really only two. And, um, and I was there for about five years and I, and I loved it. It was my baby. I lived and died for that brand. And, uh, it, it was right about October, September, I think it was September. And the, the guy who funded the company came to me and said, listen, uh, I need a plan for next year. What are we going to do? How are we going to differentiate ourselves? And my idea was we need to have better quality boxes. We need to like really focus on driving more value for the consumer. And it's got to be less about just making a buck. And I gave them the plan and I'm really grateful that they didn't do it because ultimately what he said was, I think we should make more money. And so he wanted to follow the path that mystery was going down of create 10 brands, control the box, do everything. Now in hindsight, maybe that's the way to go. Cause look at mystery today. They're a giant company, right? But, they wanted to they wanted to make more money per box and so they started they followed mystery but they didn't do it the same way and so we parted ways um we parted ways because they wanted to they wanted to kind of follow the path of mystery create 10 brands put them in the box control the box but they didn't actually do any product development they just literally went to a factory and said give me a jerk bait a spitter bait a buzz bait a crank bait put these brands on it they're 10 bucks each and uh here's your box. Like they don't even try and fool the customer. And so when we parted ways, um, the company owed me a, a fair bit of money um, and they didn't pay me. And the owner ultimately didn't pay a lot of people in the industry. So he, he ended up selling the assets of the company, meaning he sold the, the name the social media accounts and the customers and walked away from all the debt. And in doing so, right, because that's what the laws protect the business owner, not the, the people you screw over. So and in doing so, he was able to profit and walk from all the mom and pop shops that like he owed $20,000 to all the way to big companies he owed $80,000 to. And in turn, he got to walk from me who he owed six figures too. And so that was like, you know, that was a, like my life savings. And, and so I sat there and I was like, I can't believe he's going to do this to me. So I spent a, I spent a, a weekend in the backyard. I have a big fire pit. It's odd living in Los Angeles. The girl that delivers my firewood, how much does it cost you for a quart of wood where you live? 
Um, so up north at the cabin, we get the fresh cut stuff because we mm-hmm. have enough that we season it. Season so it. I think it's, I think we're about 70 to $80 a cord. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I live in Los Angeles and I have a girl that brings me wood. Probably, I probably go through five cords a year. I burn a lot of wood. Mm-hmm. A quart of wood delivered, five hundred bucks. Oof. Yeah, right. It's. I, I remember I, I called my mom. I'm like, Mom, how much do we used to pay for wood? Because I grew up in New York, uh, upstate New York, and I was like, How much? And she's like, You know, eighty bucks, hundred bucks. I'm like, Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm like, So anyway, so I I I I cleared out my house. I sent everyone away for the weekend. I drank a lot of vodka. I cried a lot because again, this guy had taken like. 300,000 bucks. Well, and all the time of your life you dedicated to it. Yeah. I mean. And, 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 and so I, uh, I, I spent a weekend feeling sorry for myself and I pulled up my big boy pants and said, all right, what am I going to do? And I said, well, my idea was the right one. He's not going to pay me. So I might as well go and build my own company, do it the right way. And, uh, and that's how Monster Bass was born. I took the business plan that I gave them that they said no to. I went and raised a little bit of money just to get started, hit the ground running, and Monster Bass was born, you know, and here we are like 18 months later, and you know, we've grown from a brand that no one's ever heard of to uh, the number two player. We, you know, we passed Lucky. And I think that, you know, we've done so by uh, just remaining true to who we are. Like, we're, my goal is to regionalize the boxes and give you baits that I think are regionally and seasonally specific. Uh, we're not going to get it right all the time, but we're going to make an effort. And I think as long as we're making an effort, it's better than just me sending a box of random baits because that's what everyone else does. Um, now, you know, the, we can sit here and argue what states belong in which regions and does this color really work here and all that. The reality is there's no way to get it hundred percent. Right. You know, like, but here's what I know. Every region of the country, you can use a jerk bait, a spinner bait, a buzz bait and a crankbait. And it just depends on what time of year it depends. You know, we all have favorite patterns and colors, but, but we're, we're trying to make an effort. We're we're not just going to to China and making up ten brands and filling the box. We're trying to remain true to the best ba- the best baits from the best brands. Um, we're trying to support one local business or one small business each month. And uh, you know, along the way, we're we're learning how to make baits, and it's been an interesting process because you know I'm making one line of baits. I said from day one, we're going to make one line of monster bass baits, and to date, I've made one, two, three, four. I've made four baits, but three of them were previously were re. I just tweaked my previous ones because it takes a long time to make baits. Like it's really hard. It's really hard to like because you know the alternative is you just go to overseas and buy a shape and throw your brand on it but i don't see the value in doing that 
Yeah. And like they always say that the paint jobs on a bait usually catch the fishermen, not the fish. So 100%. I mean, if you're 100%. And proof of that is so my girlfriend will go fishing with us. Um, she's more the bobber and worm type. Like that's, that's sure. her bread and butter. And I'll tell you, and I'm sure you, you've had probably experiences like this. When you're sitting there targeting something uh, up here, we like target pike when the bass bite yeah. kind of turns off. You know, targeting pike, and she's out there with a bobber and worm, and she hooks into the biggest pike of the day. Right. You're just like, I'm done. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when we go fishing, or when we go shopping for fishing stuff, it's always funny because I'm the one, like, I like the innovative stuff, you know. Is it going to work? No, it may be gimmicky, but I give it a shot, you know. You, Something that you're fishing somewhere is pressured. Hey, let's try to give them something else they won't look at, like sure. knuckle bait and stuff, things like that. The knuckle bait. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I have had good success with it. Yeah. Other than the shape of the head on the hook side, because it's mm. so triangular, you get mm. in your rocks, it just wedges in there. And mm. then you're like, well, there goes seven bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but. She goes into Bass Pro or Cabela's because we have more Cabela's than we do Bass Pro around here. Sure. She'll walk in and it's like, what's pink? Yeah. <laughs> and she'll go and buy the same thing I'm getting, but in pink. And then we go out and, you know, I'm fishing it one way. She's fishing it what I like to say the wrong way, but obviously isn't because she'll hook into something and I'm like, right. You know, I've done my research. It's a stained water. I should be using this color and this action. She's like, pink works. Yeah. <laughs> so, so funny. You know, I, I, I've always told people who are like, oh, what color should I get? And I'm like, what, what do you like? What, what, what makes you happy? Because, I mean, I don't survey the bass. I haven't had a chance to talk to them when I catch them, but I haven't had right. any of them complain. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I tend to think also, like, it's, it's, it's kind of like having your confidence color. Like... I'm always amazed when someone says, yeah, I can't throw a shad pattern here. Why? Well, we don't have shad. I'm like, that's funny. The sexy shad is the, is the number one selling pattern in your area. Clearly people are catching fish on it. Like, and I, I think it just comes down to confidence, right? Like anything that you can add to the mix that, you know, you know how it is when you're throwing it. Like, don't tell me for a second if I'm throwing a, uh, $49 Zebco combo versus a lose TI, right? Like you're going to feel a little bit different, like internally. It's, it's kind of like wearing new shoes. Like when you, you know, I put on a suit and go to a job interview. Like I remember back in the day, I remember the first time I put on like a, a $200 pair of shoes. This is like 20 years ago. And they were like Allen Edmonds or something. I was like, wow, I feel totally different. Right. It just gave you a little more spring in your step. I think it, you know, it just comes down to whatever makes you happy when you're throwing it. Yeah, I it, it, and I think that's one of the things like Burley and us have talked about that quite a bit. The confidence baits you have, you know, mm -hmm. no, no secret. Jeff is a Ned Rig guy. Yeah, I'm I'm spinner bait, which is probably why the knuckle bait was where you know my mm -hmm. interest went. But yeah, you go out in the water. I can, if I pull up my tackle box, you'd probably laugh. I've got two. Crankbaits, one deep diving, one mid diving in there right now, mm -hmm. and like a couple jerk baits, a couple chatter baits, and then like nine spinning baits and nine buzz baits, and one one maybe two topwater frogs. Mm. Because for me, you know, and that's my personal one. That's not the one that you know, obviously we're taking out 
for people that are going in the program. But for me, that's that's where I'm at on it. You know, sure. People, people always laugh. Well, why do you use 50 pound test line? And I'm like, it was on sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I know I don't need it that heavy, but sure. when we're up up here, you know, you got musky and everything else. Just because a bait says bass doesn't mean that's what's you know. Totally. Put put a note in the water, bass only. You know, it's like the people that go deer hunting and, you know, I'm not baiting for deer. These corner for the coyotes and the rabbits only. Any deer over here eating this corn will be shot. You know, it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Whatever comes along eats it, eats it. You can't help, help with that. Totally. So, so one of the things that's always impressed me with Monster Bass, because I've gotten boxes on and off. With the program that we do, a lot of our funding goes towards the you know lures and things for the veterans not mm. so much for us but this year i kind of decided to do something different um three of our people have the same birthday within a month like it, it's all within actually within like three four days of each other boom boom mm-hmm. boom and i thought you know i want to do something nice for these guys because they're donating their time they're they're we're, none of us are receiving anything for this and i got a couple of the monster bass boxes and one of the competitor boxes partially mm-hmm. so we could see head to head because we had sure. planned on you know figuring out what direction we we're going to go when we have the extra money coming in to subscribe to one and i will tell you hands down the boxes we got the monster bass ones were incredibly better received and you know in the midwest part of it was the the other brand which we won't mention sure um sent in august three deep diving crankbaits mm. and by by deep diving i mean 20 foot diving crankbaits we have one lake we go to that is over 20 feet deep <laughs> and that one if you're fishing at 20 feet you're not fishing the bass yeah. <laughs> you're fishing catfish so yeah. we we really like that but one of the things that impressed me was the customer service cuz i reached out to your guys' customer service and said hey you know I'm doing this as a gift for some people in my group. We're we're all veterans and first responders. What what do we is there something I'm missing? Within an hour, email back, you know, hey, use this code. This is our first responder code. Gets you the discount on it. You know, if you have any problems, you let me know. It let me use it for the first one, didn't let me use it for the second one, emailed her back. She's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Give me your order number. I'll put the second one on there. I'll put apply the discount. And and basically took all that stress off of me and it was just let it you know let it come in the mail which was great whereas the other side they didn't put one of the baits that was supposed to be in the box in there uh-huh. because i'm guessing they ran out you know and i it, i don't know a whole lot about that side of the industry you probably know better sure. i'm sure it happens you run out of a bait or whatever and i emailed him i said hey you know there's supposed to be this many baits in here the bait card says it has this it doesn't and uh-huh. they said oh we'll send you a replacement and it was supposed to be a specific plastic that was paired with another piece in the box so it was mm-hmm. a little small plastic they sent me a five inch worm and uh-huh. i'm like it doesn't you know it didn't add sure. up so yeah. I, I i like i said i can't commend enough even more so than the, the the regional which is great because it's it's nice to have that selection for your area for that time you know, it's nice sure. not getting a topwater frog in November when you're in the Midwest and yeah. they're not really going after it. But 
the attention you guys have to the customer is just amazing to me. And I guess my question would be how, how do you keep up with that? Like, is that built into your business model that that's something you've made sure and instilled in them? Or is it just something that happened organically mm-hmm. because of the way the business is? Um, having built Lucky Tackle Box, you know, I had the benefit of not saying, you know what, I think I'm going to start this company called Monster Bass and having to learn from like from my mistake or, or having to like have growing pains and figure it out as I went. Like I literally knew exactly what I needed to do. And, and, and in this day and age of social media where everybody is now a critic and doesn't matter how good the box is someone's going to tell you that it sucks like you know i put out the strike king takeover box i looked at it i was like wow this is a, this is a really good box like nobody can find fault in this one i literally sat back and i was like good job rick i patted myself on the back i'm like this is gonna be and i had some guys on social media telling me this was like walmart bargain basement garbage and i was like oh my god like i realized a i can't please everyone and b I knew that like when I started this company that my very first hire was going to be someone to run my customer service team. And I knew that they had to be someone that was just like me. I want, when I got a problem, I want it solved. I want the person that's solving my problem to solve it the way that I would, that they would expect their own problems to be solved. Right. Quite honestly, I just want them to give a damn. And, and, and not just give a canned response and understand that sometimes there's extenuating circumstances. Sometimes the, the, the woman at the other end of the phone or the man at the other end of the phone just doesn't get technology and you know that they don't get it. So for, to tell them that they got to log into the portal and do this and that, all right, listen, that may be the policy, but you know what? Some people, you, you, you got to like, let's, let's be humans for a little bit and let's not be robots. And too often customer service is robots. And so I wanted to make sure that, you know, we can have a great product, but we're going to be defined by our customer service. And so we're going to do everything we possibly can to deliver the best customer service experience that we can. And so, yeah, I just think that that's a, a big defining piece about who we are. Like most people, that have been around that have gotten our boxes for more than a few months know that Katie runs our customer service team. Like I put a, you know, I put a, I put a, a name and a face to our customer service team and put it out there because I wanted people to know, like, you know, we, you only hear about cut, you know, customer service when it's bad. I wanted people to champion it when it was good. And I wanted them to applaud her and, and, you know, she's representative of the team. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that customer service was a big thing. I, I, I've also made an investment in it. Like when you think about my company, my company is one, two, three people plus customer service. So three people, I have one person in finance. She's my bookkeeper. I have one person who goes out and buys all the baits and then... I got to, I got to manage a warehouse. I've got to do marketing. I've got to do social media. I've got to do all these different things, but my customer service team has one, two, three, four people. So I've invested heavily 
into making sure that we can get to you within as quickly as we can. Uh, and it, like I said, it doesn't go unnoticed. Like I, that was something that's been very impressive to me. Um, being in the background I'm in, a lot of people don't look at it this way, but I look at EMS as a customer service because let's be honest, there's a, you know, we're seeing people at their worst yeah. and there's a lot of things that, you know, three o'clock in the morning, we wish we could say, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know, to them, it's a true emergency. It might not be to us, but sure. we have to treat it the same way. And that's one thing that, like when we have somebody new, I try to instill. And I actually have gotten to the point that I've told people, I'm like, you know, we get somebody new and they're, why do you expect me to do this? And I say, go look at this video, you know, and I point out the ones where you've brought up things, you know, the growing pains that you have experienced. And I said, here's a guy who doesn't have to bring this up and doesn't have to talk about his, you know, his mistakes, but he's being real and being honest with them and saying, this is what I did. You know, this is where I made a mistake. Here's how I'm going to fix it. And I said, if you can be like that with a patient, you know, yeah, we all make mistakes, but if you can be upfront about it and learn from it and, like you said, treat people the way that you would expect to be treated. Just because it's not your emergency doesn't mean uh-huh. it's not to them. And yeah. I, I cannot commend you enough for that side of it. That is just amazing about it. Um, and like I said, with the whole getting back to the mistakes you made, I know earlier before we started recording, you brought something up and you said you were gonna you wanted to share a story for the listeners. So I'll open that up yeah. to you. But always enjoy when you're you know, the, the real side of you that just, Hey, look, I did this. This is a bonehead move. Yeah. Here's what we got. So yeah, I, I've always thought like, listen, I'm, you're along for the ride with me. You support my business. You have your choice of the boxes you can support. And, and, you know, I never intended to be the face of this company. Like at Lucky Tackle Box, no, the only people that knew me were the CEOs of the bait companies. Cause they would wheel me into the big meetings, work out the deals and that was it. But it was always like, you know, your social media influencers. And I didn't have any at the time. Cause I was on a, you know, I was starting monster bass from the ground up. So I was like, I'll start making videos. I mean, I remember my first video was so bad because I held the phone the wrong way. So I had the, the gray fields on both sides. And I, I even called up someone, I called up Alex Rudd and I said, Alex, how do you get rid of that? He goes, Oh, I just turned the phone the other way. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I, I, start, I made fun of the fact that I, I couldn't even get my first video right. Like I tell everyone all the time, like, just just try. And uh, so then I realized, all right, I guess I'm going to be the face of this company. And the only thing I can do is be honest about my mistakes because I don't, it's not like I have a CEO telling me what to do. I'm the CEO. So, you know, I... I I try to get out in front of, I, I try to like acknowledge my wins because I think that we're most of the times by human nature, we're our own worst critics. And, uh, and so I wanted to make sure that we celebrated our wins, but we were upfront in our mistakes. And, and because I believe that mistakes are, you know, we're, we're humans and we make mistakes. And so I wanted to share that each time that I did it. And you know, I'm not a professional bait maker. I'm trying and I'm getting, you know, and, and so the process that I've been following is like, we come up with an idea for a shape, it gets drawn out, they make a mold, they make samples, we test them, we send them back, you make revisions, yada, yada, yada. 
and you know something you said earlier, like it's not the baits that catch the fit, right? The, we're, we're we're designing the baits to catch the fishermen, and I think that there's a brand out there that that's done a really good job in in six sense, right? Their paint schemes are from all accords, from what I hear, you know, when I put my ear to the ground and I hear, everyone seems to think Sixth Sense has the best paint schemes. So of course I told my factory, I'm like, we got to be better than these guys. And, uh, and so we came out with, uh, you know, we, we re-released uh, my jerk bait. Now the jerk bait way back in the day, God, I designed, I started Monster Bass Baits when I was at Lucky Tackle Box. And Monster Bass Baits were in Mystery Tackle Box. Lake, Lake Fork guy even did a video on one of the baits. That's how, that's how it was. And I had a jerk bait called, I can't remember what it was called back in the day. But I, I redid it, came out with the Slick Stick 110. And, uh. I told them I wanted, you know, I want a perch pattern, a bluegill pattern, or this pattern, or that pattern. I showed them the ones that I liked. I sketched some of them, and uh, they made. And then so they made them. And you know, the QA process goes like this: they paint one, they send them to me. I say yes, no, modify, and then they mass produce them. Well, they must have sent them to me, and maybe I didn't scroll to the bottom of the page. Maybe I just half-assed it. But I I didn't notice that one of the one of the designs, the bluegill pattern, was literally an ex a, a ripoff. Like they took a, basically a a bluegill pattern from a sixth sense bait and copied it verbatim. And so I didn't know until they came in because the so they ship them they ship them over to us. One of everything gets sent to me for pictures, for just inspection. And I got it and I looked at it and I was like, oh no. And so I quickly called Rochelle and Finance. I said, pull up the PO. How many did I order? And it wasn't in the hundreds. It was in the thousands of this one pattern. So I immediately was like, what am I going to do? And so I called Sixth Sense and I told them. I said, listen, I totally screwed up. I said, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, it was not intended. Um, you know, I'm a small business. Can I just throw them in the boxes and I'll never sell them? I'll never, they'll never see the light of day on my website. I just, I want to get rid of them. And, uh, you know, that conversation didn't go as I had hoped. And, um, and so I told everyone about it. I was like, listen, I don't, I don't, you know, growing pains. So I sat there and um, I kind of just looked at myself and said, like, how did you do this? And, and I realized, like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just busy. And I just, I just, I made a mistake. And so I told everyone about it. And then uh, I figured like, all right, what can I do that's good with it? So I contacted some Boy Scout troops and uh, or councils or whatever, and I gave them a bunch so that they could use them for, for their fishing merit badge. 
And then I happened to, uh, to speak with a gentleman named Patrick Bellinger. I don't know if you know him. I've heard of him. Yeah. So he has a little YouTube channel and, um, he's out of, he's out of the Northeast. He's out of new England. And Patrick has a group. Uh, he does a lot with the veterans. And I learned about Patrick because, you know, one of the things we do on the side of every box, you know, I make it a point to thank people for their service because, you know, we don't need a, a vet, you know, veterans day is nice to re is the constant reminder, but like, I think we take for granted on a daily basis a lot of the, the, the freedoms and the privileges that we have that so many people have um, you know, sacrificed for, whether it's their time or their lives. Um, and so I contacted him and uh, we donated like a thousand, we donated a thousand baits uh, to the VA out of New England uh, just this past month in November, um, to try and help them because, you know, like you said, a lot of people have found, um, have found comfort in fishing. Um, and it's helped with their, you know, with their PTSD. And I, and I think that, uh, if we can help in any way and turn a negative into a positive, um, I'm all for it. And there was no way we were going to sell these baits. And it was clear that no one, they didn't want them in the boxes. And so, uh, yeah, so I donated them and, um, I didn't really want to make a big deal out of it. I know that Patrick wanted to show his gratitude and thanks for it. And I know he did a video and that was really nice, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure it won't be the last time we make a mistake, but, uh, I can tell you that was a costly one. <laughs> I, bet, I bet now you go through all those emails extra hard, huh? Oh, now I'm like, now I'm, now I'm like the soup Nazi. I'm, uh, did I get, did I get the comp? Did I not get the comp? Did I approve it? Did I sign it? Let me see it. Oh my God. My, 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 my factory must hate me because I literally now I'm nonstop, you know, show me the approval. I just don't want to, I don't want to make the same mistake twice. Right. And I mean, if you learn from it, I always look at it as if you learn from it, it's not a mistake. It's a learning experience and needs to be looked at that way. So hey. funny, funny thing. I don't know if you know this. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so on like being in the Midwest, you know, we have our times when fishing just doesn't work. Like right now it's too cold really to get them to bite, but it's not iced over yet. So right. we're kind of in that we all sit mm -hmm. at home and twiddle our thumbs and try to relive our glory days. And one of the things I will do on occasion is like go on Netflix and just look, at, look up different fishing shows or specials that they have on there because they always like change them out sure speaking of your lucky tackle box time and i don't know if you know this and i wish i i, I was trying to think if i could remember the name of the show but i can't i'd have to pull it up but there is a special of uh sea fishing like saltwater fishing with a couple of bigger guys i think one of them was a wrestler or something reeling in fish and you're actually on there in your lucky, lucky tackle box hat and stuff and it was funny because I was watching it and I'm, you know, you get that moment of, it looks familiar. Who is this? And they flash across the bottom the name real quick. And I'm like, it's Rick. And I'm watching, I'm like, let's see what he catches. Cause they show all these other guys catching these huge, you know, groupers and things like that. They literally cut seconds before you got it into the boat. 
that I think they cut the line, right? No, they cut to a different scene in the fishing trip. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's uh I'm gonna guess it was trophy fish hunters. It might be, yes. But yeah, yeah I, fun, funny story. So you know, I got asked to be on a show one time. Actually, the first time I went anywhere for a fishing trip, my father was alive, and I, and I called, as I always do before I'm going to travel. I call my parents. I let them know where I'm going because, you know, my parents live in New York, and I live in Los Angeles. And I was like, listen, I'm, uh, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm going to Florida this weekend. Uh, I'm going down to this place called Lake Okeechobee, and uh, I'm going to be fishing with this guy named Roland Martin. I'm staying at his marina, and yada, yada, yada. My dad just pauses. And he's like, you, you, you're going where? I said, I'm going fishing with some guy named Roland Martin. He goes, do, do you know who that is? And I'm like, nah, it's some guy. And uh, he's like, Rick, he goes, Roland Martin's the guy that taught everyone how to fish on Saturday mornings. What do you mean you don't know who this is? And I'm like, Dad, I was watching cartoons. Like, you and Chris were watching this stuff. And then, of course, he tells my brother. And, of course, my brother's now like, no, you're not. I'm like, yeah, I swear to God, I'm going down fishing with him and Scott Martin and, and whatever. So that was my first fishing trip in the industry. And then my second one, I got invited to be on this show. And I was like, me? Why? And they're like, oh, it'll be great. You know, Lucky Tackle Box. And I'm like, all right. So I was down in Florida, and we did Goliath Grouper fishing. And, uh, and I remember, like, I didn't know what a Goliath Grouper was. and. Uh, so we start, we were fishing and, and I catch this, it's like a 550 pound Goliath grouper. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. I'm like, I'm like, I'm jumping in the water. I, I need to take my picture with this fish, take a picture. And they're looking at me like, is this guy for real? So I jump off the boat into the water. I'm sitting there with a fish. I'm like, this will make great TV. So they're all looking at me like, okay, you might want to get out of the water now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, give me another picture. So they get me another picture. We got this live TV. We got this other thing. I get back in the boat and uh, we start fishing again. And I swear to God, two, three minutes later, same exact spot, I pull up like a 15 foot tiger shark. And I remember on camera going, You guys didn't tell me that there were sharks in the water. And the guy literally looks at me and goes, It's the ocean. <laughs> and for whatever reason, after that, like I started getting requests to be on all these little shows because I was the guy that jumped in the water. And and <laughs> it was just pretty funny. And the cool thing about it was I've gotten to go some really cool places. Like they took me down to Guatemala and I went sail fishing. Um, took me to Cabo and we did the we did, you know, we did Marlin and then like rooster tail. Like rooster tail is some like on on uh, light tackle out of a skiff is amazing. So I've had some pretty good pretty good times. But yeah, I just thought it was funny. I didn't know if you knew you were still out there as a uh, feature on Netflix. <laughs> I had no idea. So I had no idea. I I, I wouldn't even know how if I'm gonna have to look up that show and see if it's literally on there. That's should funny. still be. I think it was about a, two weeks ago that I saw it. I just, and, and you know, of course, girlfriend's looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm like, come here, come here, come look at this. And yeah. She's like, <laughs> okay, 
why did I just watch a guy reel a fish and not even see the fish? And I'm like, right. Do you know who that is? And she goes, no. I'm like, remember that box you got? He's the CEO of the company. And she's like, cool. Yeah, great. Can I yeah. go back and do my stuff? And I'm like. Exactly. She's like, thanks. Yeah. Well, like, we were laughing. So, like I said, in Wisconsin, they have a lot of, the, you know, different types of fish. So we have muskie. And oh. we have a cabin that one of our members' family owns. They're all, the whole family's first responders. And the mom has been gracious enough. She's pretty much told all of us, you know, hey, your extended family, you ever want to come and use it, come on up. So, mm-hmm. like, we're going to go ice fishing this year. But she's got a 24-foot pontoon that we use to right. go fishing, which is going from the bass boat to the pontoon, I feel Very like different. a king because I'm like, yeah. I got room. Right. <laughs> I got radios. They're all we're speakers all over. They've got a motor on that we can wake, you know, we can wakeboard, we can ski, we could tube, which is hilarious because, you know, usually it's, hey, let's go fishing. We're out there till, like, 8, and they stop biting. It's like, throw the tube in the water. Let's go have some fun. Totally. Make a day. But we went up there. Um, one of the other guys likes to musky fish, or you know, as we like to call it, not catch anything. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, we're there pulling in bluegill and bass and perch, and they're doing a fish fry, and he's over there watching a bobber going doing nothing in the water. But uh we went to the musky one of the musky shops up there. Sure. And we didn't really like there's always that disconnect. Because my girlfriend grew up in the city, uh-huh. so there's a lot of times when we're out in the country, we we kind of laugh because things that we take for granted, she doesn't. Like, we had uh-huh. her convinced, if you ever go up in northern Wisconsin, they have white strips on the road. Well, there's snowmobile crossings. Uh-huh. They put the tips down so that the tread doesn't tear up the road, and they don't have to replace that section of the road so often. We had her convinced it was moose crossings. And, yeah. That's so funny. We had fun with that, but we go in the, this this musky fishing shop, and they have the trophies on the wall. Yeah, and she's looking at them, and you can see the wheels turning, and, and you're you know all of us are kind of looking at each other like this is going to be gold. Something hilarious is going to come out from this because you could tell that she was just trying to process the size of these fish, and she's five well five foot two and three quarter. You can't forget Ooh. the three quarter, right? And so. She's looking at this, and where we're at, there's a bunch of little lakes, and one of them had the name of the lake that the cabin's on. And it's, I mean, it's about a four and a half foot musky. Uh-huh. And she's looking at this for a long time, and I'm like, she doesn't realize those are in the lake. I can tell already. And she turns around and looks at us, and she goes, are those like, they, they make them bigger so you can see what the fish are. <laughs> we go, no, that's the size of the fish. And she goes, like, that's the real fish. No, no, it's fiberglass, you know, and explain the whole thing. And she goes, but the fish was that big. Yeah. The teeth were that big. Yeah. And she goes, well, I'm not going in the lake again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We just, you know, we all kind of sat there and laughed and we're, and, you know, and from the other side of the shop, the guy that goes musky fishing is, you know, overlooking at the bucktails and all you hear him yell is, maybe I'm using the wrong bait then. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, the closest we've got her to getting in is she will get in her kayak. That's it. No more paddleboard, no more swimming. She will get in the kayak and she doesn't go very far. (laughs) 
and we all laugh because she's she's an ultralight. Like she, she that must the pike I was telling you about. She yeah. pulled in on ultralight with like eight pound test. So ah, that's crazy. Oh yeah. So I'll tell you. I know everybody on this podcast heard the story, but you, I'll tell you the story because this is okay. this is the epitome of how bad of luck you can have fishing when somebody else is having great luck. So we're out there and she's one of those, this, she's a blast to fish with because anything she catches is, Oh my God, it's a monster. And with the ultralight it makes sense. Cause I mean, even the smallest bluegill bend that pole right over. Right. And so it's probably like four or five hours into us being out there. She's caught quite a few bluegill. I've got a small, a couple small, like, 12 inch muskies babies you know that she had no business hitting the bait that i was throwing so i'm like the big one's got to be here and i've got him on the front she's on the back and i've got my back to her and i hear oh my god it's a monster and my buddy who has not caught a thing all day and is frustrated goes uh-huh and we both, <laughs> both kind of turn around waiting to see her pull in another bluegill or something and we look and the pole is just it's doubled over but Again, it's an ultralight, so we're like, hmm. And I start to see her really struggling, and I go, this might be something big. But I'm watching it, and it's not, it's not your typical fish. It's not moving around at all. She's just looks like she's pulling in dead weight. And so now our mind is going, all right, does she have a log? Does she have a turtle? You know, and it kind of settled on, oh, she's got turtle, and we're looking around, and we're like, oh, we've got needle-nose pliers. This is going to suck. You know, do we just cut the line and go, didn't see it. We're okay. And she gets it up, and she, you know, the splash is just probably three feet from the boat. And she goes, see, it's a monster. And we both kind of look at it, and he goes, did she just catch a pike? I'm pretty sure. He goes, she's not going to get it in. It's going to cut the line. She goes, he's just like, she's using eight-pound mono. Right. Like, it's a bobber and worm on eight-pound mono. She can't possibly bring this thing in. <laughs> and she gets alongside the boat, and he nets it up, and we're looking at it, and it's 27-inch pike. Oh, and my God. the luck of it was when it bit down, because I had put two split-shot sinkers on there, uh-huh. It had bit right where the sinkers were and couldn't uh-huh. get to the line. No way. And so we're sitting there looking at this, and she's like, it's a monster. I'm like, it's a fish. She goes, no, it's I'm like, it's a fish. It's right. the same group as those muskies we're looking at, just smaller. I'm like, do you want to take your picture with it? She looks at me, and she goes, no. <laughs> I'll hold it for you. Okay. So I go to hold it for her. And she does one of those, you know, poke the, poke the fish. And when she pokes it, I don't know if it just knocked it off balance in my hand or whatever. But all I saw was my thumb going towards its teeth. And I'm like, nope, not today. <laughs> and drop it. And it's flopping around the boat. And I don't know where he went. But I was talking about my co-host earlier. It's my little Chewini that sure. goes fishing with. He's actually one of my, you know, he's my service dog. So he is terrified of fish. And I don't blame him in this case. I mean, this fish is bigger than him. Yeah, for sure. So this fish, this fish is flopping around the boat. We're trying to grab it, trying not to get bit. And I happen to look up, and he is balancing on the trolling motor platform, <laughs> shaking like 
No, no poor dog. Not, yeah. not not having it. Not doing any more of this. Get yeah. it in the you know get it in the live well. Go back to fishing, and I start fishing, and I'm watching him, and he's back and forth in the boat like he normally does. He's got his own little blanket that he crawls under, and he finally got up in his seat and crawled under his blanket, and 10, 15 seconds later, she goes, it's a monster. And now we're like, what? <laughs> you know, you didn't do this two, twice in a row, and it's a bluegill, but as soon as she says it's a monster, he goes right back up to the front of the boat, and he's sitting <laughs> up in the front like, nope. Not having it anymore. You guys tried yeah. to kill me. So yeah, I uh, I've been musky fishing one time up on St. Clair. Uh, again, it was for a show, and uh, I had never done it before. I didn't know the figure eight and all the stuff you're supposed to do. And, and uh, one day was trolling, and one day was casting. And we caught we caught some each time. And, I'll never forget when I caught my first one. It was a, it was a big one. It was four, well, for me it was because it was the only one I ever caught. It was forty eight inches, and I remember when 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 I held it up for the picture. I remember looking at the picture going, "I can't believe this crap is in the water. Like these are some big fish." And you know, you catch a little bluegill or even a bass, and you're like, "Oh, that's nice." But you catch a big fish like that with the teeth, and you're like, "Damn, these <laughs> things are big. These are big." I mean, we're talking prehistoric looking. Yeah. The, the the only other fish I think I've had more fun catching was when I was with my dad in California. We got to catch sturgeon. Oh, yeah. See, I haven't done that. Though, oh, you, you owe it to yourself to try it. It is the weirdest kind of experience because they don't hit, at least the ones we caught, didn't hit like normal fish. Mm. Like, you know, normally you get the nibble, nibble, nibble. Sure. They the ones we were catching were they gulp it, but then they just sit almost like a catfish. Hmm. And so you you really you, you, sometimes you don't even know if you have them on the line until you start reeling. But once you start reeling, take the most feisty like rock bass you can think of and make it bigger. Because as soon as they realize they're hooked, they're they're going, and you're sure. you're you're in for the ride one way or another. Right. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So. That that is that is something you should try. And if you ever want to try musky fishing again, we've always got room up here. So, so if you were, if somebody came to you and said, "Is somebody starting out in the hobby sport, whatever you want to call it, of fishing?" and they said, "What is your one piece of advice you would give to them?" Mm. What would you give? make sure you know how to run a business. I see too many people that love fishing that think that they're going to get into this, that they're going to get into making baits or, or they're going to, you know, they want, most people don't get into, into the outdoor recreation space to make money. They get into it because it's a lifestyle. And, and I run across small businesses all the time, really good people who are want to make baits and they don't really understand the economics of it and what's going to, what it's going to take to be successful. Cause I think like every time I talk to somebody that makes jigs, right? Football head jigs. I always am curious as to why, because when you think about a jig, right? What do they sell for? MSRP is four bucks. Four bucks. 
and it probably cost them a dollar twenty-five, dollar fifty. Let's just say a dollar twenty-five. Let's just say it's a buck. You sell, you you make them for a buck. You sell them for four. So when you sell them to a, a store at wholesale, you probably sell them for two, two, two fifty. So you make a buck fifty. So you got to sell a hundred thousand jigs a year to make a hundred thousand dollars. That seems like a lot of work to me. And I don't think people really think it through like all the costs. Like, you know, I do a lot with, with all these little kids that are like bait makers that are like, you know, they want to, they're, they're 14 years old, they're making baits and they think that they want to make a business. So I always encourage them, you know, I'm, I do a, like a Instagram live on Thursdays at four o'clock. And a lot of times I'll talk to the kids that are making baits because they make really nice products. And I'm like, all right, why don't I buy some and we'll put them on the site and we can, you know, this can be your first business transaction and, and you know, I just get their parents involved, make sure that they, you know, the kids not getting taken advantage of. And, and I'm like, all right, so how much for a pack of baits? And they're like, I'll sell them to you for a dollar fifty. I'm like, oh, okay, hold on a second. How much does it cost you to make? And then they go through the whole thing. And the one thing they always forget is their time. I'm like, so what are you going to pay yourself? Right. And I don't think people really think it through from a business perspective and an economy's a scale. And they get into it because it's the love of the sport and they want to be involved. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of millionaires in the fishing industry. Yeah. There's a handful of them. You know, the guy that owned Strike King or the guy that owned Lou's or the guy, you know, but, you know, the guy that owns Bama Bates. Or, yeah. you know, Lunker Candy, nobody, you know, those guys are small businesses. They probably make a decent living, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a grind. So I would, I, anyone wanting to get into this, this space, I would make sure that they've got the stomach and the, and, and, and the willingness to, to, to power through tough times because it's not always going to be easy, you know? When I started Lucky Tackle Box, or sorry, uh, Monster Bash, I I started, I opened the door June 1st. I didn't have a profitable month until May. So I had to lose money for 11 straight months. And we're not talking like $1,000. Like I had months where I lost $100,000. And, and, you know, you've got to be willing to go into it. And I knew I was going to. I knew my plan was I'm going to build this company and I'm going to I'm going to lose. The plan I wrote said I'm going to lose five hundred thousand dollars in the first year. I'm going to run out of money and then I'm going to start making money. And, and, and I think for a lot of people. I think anyone listening to that's going, really, you're, you're, you're prepared to lose $500,000 and you think that you're going to make the money back. Like I knew going in, it was going to happen. And I was willing to, to run it because I had built a plan. I mean, when I show people the spreadsheet of every dollar I spend, where it comes from, where it goes, how long it takes, I've got this thing like dialed in, but I was willing to lose that much money to make money. Um, 
And I think a lot of people think they're going to make money overnight. Yeah, I, I've seen that a lot, too, in, in people that are, like, with our group, people who, oh, well, you got, you know, there's people that have perception. They're like, oh, you guys are making a killing doing this. And then they just kind of, like, the face, the yeah. white, well, white in the face when I look at them and go, we haven't, we haven't profited a dime. We've never taken a dime. Right. We've done this all ourselves, you know. I So, when you're talking about the, the comedy of the fishing trip and how that kind of led to you going on other stuff because you were the guy that jumped yeah. out of the boat. The The group, the, the way it got started is when we were up fishing and they had talked me into going fishing and I was kind of resistant and we go out fishing. The whole reason we started the group itself was more as a joke. Like it was never intended to go to what it was. We were out on this lake and there was a guy in a, canoe wearing a fishing jersey like the ones you would see on the bass yeah, pro yeah. circuits and he is just and and we didn't know we still don't know if he was videotaping he may have been which would make it somewhat more sense to it but you know the guy's probably 50 60 yards off and he's 10 feet off the bank and he's fishing and he's not it's not he's not catching bass he's catching bluegill and stuff like that but every time he'd see him he'd stand up I got one I'm on you know, and he's hamming it up, and we're like, bro, you're in a canoe right. with a bass fishing jersey on. Like, <laughs> where in your life do you look at this and go, this is my goal, my aspirations in life? Right. And so we got back that day, and my girlfriend has the cricket machine, and we're like, you know, and we're all joking, you know, having a few adult beverages at, after on the wood stove, and I'm like... We should start a we should start our own group. We we should come up with a name and make up shirts, have her cut them out on the cricket, make the shirts, and we're gonna go out next time we go fishing. We're all gonna wear these shirts and we're gonna be out on this twenty-four foot pontoon, having a good time, drinking, you know, beer, soda, yeah. whatever our choice is, and, and we're just gonna no cameras or anything, you know, like we're not gonna videotape, we're just gonna pretend we're doing a fishing special. Sure. And everybody was like, you know few drinks and we're like yeah this is a great idea and names were thrown around and first response was the one that got settled on and so we made these the next time we went up there we went out and we we got the cheapest shirts we could find at walmart because it was a joke oh, we weren't right. gonna spend money sure. which were this wonderful hunter orange color uh -huh. that has kind of haunted me since because that's everything since that we've done for the group has always been that hunter orange color but we go out on this lake and we're we're fishing and we're having a good time. I mean, we are being the biggest idiots in the world. We had a guy catch a little two-inch perch and he's lipping it and he's like, Yeah, it's the biggest catch of the day. These guys are abusive, right. you know. You can get family of six fed off this, you know, release it. And we go into the tackle shop later that day and not thinking about it, we're still wearing our shirts, just picking up some more worms for the next day. And the lady behind the counter looks at us and she goes, you're the idiots my son was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and we go, what? And she goes, you guys out on you know, the lake with the pontoon? And Yeah. It's the deal with you guys. And we're like, uh, we're, we're a bunch of first responders who want to act like idiots, I guess. Um, you know, like you didn't expect her to... to, to 
sure. you know, this is an hour after we got off the lake. You wouldn't think it would travel that fast. I mean, it's a small town, but it's a half hour drive to the store. So we're like, this guy had to have been just before us or, you know, on the phone with his mom. Hey, I can't catch any fish out here because these guys are acting like idiots being loud or something. That's so funny. And so we tell it, you know, we're, we're just first responder. And she goes, do you guys ever take people out? My husband, you know, used to fish a lot and he kind of has been down lately. He's works at the local fire department. And I, I just, I can't get him to go fishing. I think that, you know, she's like, it'd be great if we could find a group of first responders, if you know them, that would take them fishing. And it was like, light bulb. And we said, what's he doing tomorrow? That's kind of where we got our start from it. So, yeah, we went from trying to go out there and basically be a bunch of idiots to still going out there and acting like a bunch of idiots, but doing it with more people now. Right. You know, and like, we got the, we we decided because the cabin so far north we're like well we need a we need a fishing boat down here you can bank fish but i mean there's something special about going out on the boat so we got this this old 80s ranger bass boat that is the most hideous color i mean if if you ever if you can picture the way i would describe it is carrot baby food that's Uh been left in the sun for about three days and had glitter poured on it oh man and it's it's been chopped, and so like one of our guys is the I know a guy, guy. You know he can sure. jack up all trades. So he's gonna you know during the winter he's rewiring the boat and stuff. We're getting everything back up, and we were sitting there looking at it the other day, and I said, we got to change this color. We, we we have to. We we I can't. Like I I just I've never seen another brownish beige glitter bass boat on the lake, and it's no. So we started going through colors and somebody goes, Oh, bright orange. And I said, no, <laughs> I, I need to get away from this color. I'm not sure. going to go from Brown sparkle to orange sparkle. So we've decided on blue because it was, you know, we're all like, Oh, first responders, we all wear blue uniforms. Let's go with a bright blue, put some, you know, have glitter on it. Yeah. And we're like, we'll just wrap it. Cause it's going to be easier than repainting the whole thing. And so then it got to be, well, now we got to name it because we've never named it. And it was literally went from we've got to name it. Somebody goes Blue Falcon. Blue Falcon. And we all kind of looked at each other and we're like, why are you going to like, we know what your reference is, but and he goes, because I've never caught a fish on that damn boat. (laughs) So we now have the non blue Blue Falcon (laughs) being repaired. Uh And the uh the the girlfriend has decided that she's going to add her flair to it as she does with everything. So we're getting on the motor. She's made a decal for it. This is powered by bitch dust. (laughs) So I'm sure that we will get uh, some looks come spring. I'm sure. Um, So with you guys, with the, the regional boxes and now you have the, and I know there's some I'm forgetting here, but you've got the ice fishing box. You we, have a, the... we have a brand new multi-species, which is half bass, half panfish. Is there any other? Yeah, actually, I, I've got one more that'll probably go live tomorrow. So um, I think that there's a segment of the market that's really underserved. And, and, and I think that's for the, 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 the beginner fisherman, the kid that wants to go fishing. Maybe his parents, you know what? 
maybe maybe his parents like to fish, maybe they don't. Um, but it's not about filling your tackle box with like six, eight baits. It's literally like the first box might have a couple different types of bobbers, some line, some split shot, some little grubs, some little like beetle spins. Like like we're literally gonna give you a fish identification card. We're gonna teach the kid how to fish. And we've got someone that's going to make, he's a, he's a, he's a father, he's a grandfather, uh, he's a, a scout leader. So he's taught tons of people how to fish and, and we're literally going to give you, again, it's not about the value of the box, right? Like all I ever see today is let's do this box versus that box. This box is worth $48. This box is worth 50. So the 50 wins, this is, this is all about like, we're going to teach a kid how to fish spinnerbaits. We're going to give them two or three different kinds. And the video is going to be just about how to set them up for success. Because let's face it, not everybody, every parent is a great teacher, right? And sometimes teaching your own kid is the hardest thing on the planet because you, you don't have the same patience that you might have for someone else. And uh, so we're coming out, we, we're coming out. It's like, it's like 15 bucks, includes shipping. It'll have a handful of items. It'll have uh, video content and it's all for the brand new fishermen who, you know, this might be their first poll too. So we're going to hook them up with a combo from Lou's um, and, uh, you know, get them started with fishing because, you know, I think if we can get them outdoors and, and, and put the iPads down for a little bit, you know, it gives them a chance to be a kid instead of uh, what we're kind of directing them to with, uh, all this isolation with COVID and, and all the iPads on the planet. So, uh, so yeah, so we got a kid's box coming out. That, that is awesome. I, like I said, that it always amazes me the innovation you have, because like you said, that's not a market that's really tapped. And yeah. it, even for our group, that's something that, you know, Hey, we can, we get somebody who's new to fishing. I can say, go get this box. This is going to get you set up and help you expand from there. So that's something that I, that that's amazing to hear what what brought about so the ice fishing for you guys i mean you live in southern california yeah there's not a whole lot ice fishing out there i'm guessing i've never even been ice fishing i've always been fascinated with the brainerd ice festival and you see the pictures of like however many thousand holes on the ice and all these people and and uh you know this year i vowed that i'm going to go fishing with sam Sobe and um uh, and go ice fishing. Cause I've never been, uh, the ice fishing box came around because, you know, I, I, I talk about monster bass being a regionally based box. So the guy normally in, in Wisconsin says to me, well, what are you going to send me in was in, in January? I'm like, ah. so last year I came, that's when I started coming out with the idea of all these limited edition boxes, like the strike King takeover. And, you know, we're going to do that this year too. Like, the December box for the bass box is uh, an iCast box and it'll be full of all the newest baits that, well, all the newest, some of the new baits that were supposed to be released at iCast this year. Um, and then in January, we're going to do a strike King and bio bait takeover where strike King will have all the hard baits, bio bait will have the soft plastics. And then in March, I'm doing a Bassmaster classic box. So every bait in the box won a Bassmaster classic. And while that's all well and good, there are still those guys up north that are like, well, I don't need a box right now. So I figured like, all right, let's come out with an ice fishing box 
And uh, so I'm going to make a limited, limited three month ice pass. Uh, I'll only make like, you know, 500 boxes a month. Um, so when they sell out, they sell out and, um, you know, we'll cater to the guys that, that love drilling holes in the ice and drinking beer, drinking beer. <laughs> Evidently that's what you do. I'm hoping to find out. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it's, it's the, the way that, uh, my buddy always describes it to me because this is the first year I'm actually going with a group. Like I've oh. kind of done it on my own, but I've never really gone ice fishing uh-huh. so they they've told me that this year in fact later this month we're going up to the cabin and i've been warned that it's going to be a marathon and i've already been told that my idea is not going to work because my idea was i'm going to put a bunch of tip-ups up sit in the cabin watch them through binoculars and call out numbers to them over a walkie-talkie and let them <laughs> go in the cold but that sounds great to me he he described it as so if you look at normal fishing it's usually, you know, like a lot of us like to do cast and retrieve style or more mm-hmm. hands-on. You know, not there's not a whole lot of people that's exclusively bobber fish. So you're sure. very active and you're, you're, there's not a whole lot of talking usually when you're fishing. You know, everybody's concentrating on trying to catch their fish. Whereas ice fishing is drinking with an excuse. Yeah. So we'll, uh. We'll see how that turns out. I don't really like the cold. I know it sounds weird living in Wisconsin, but I'm not a huge person on the cold. So I'm like, all right, snow plowing gear will be worn in layers. And <laughs> there's uh, one guy who's got an RV. And I don't know if you've seen these. If you get into ice fishing, you're probably going to love this doing this. But they've got RVs uh-huh. that have the pre-cut holes in the floor. Shut up. Yeah, they're called uh, ice ice castles. Oh my god! And you literally take a, you know, they're they're taking the big bumper pull twenty eight foot RVs, and they have plastic holes that have covers on them. So when you get on the ice, you lower it down hydraulically to sit on the ice. You drill the hole where the hole is in the floor, and it'd be no different than you sitting in your living room with your big screen TV, your refrigerator, and bathroom, everything, and fish. Wow! So. One of the guys apparently has something similar to that. I don't know how fancy it is, but we're going to be uh, doing that. Because my main concern was they were talking about the pop-up tents tonight, and they're talking about heaters. And I said, I'm no genius, but I know enough from being in the fire departments and stuff that heat and ice yeah, don't right. usually go hand in hand. Sure. And they're like, oh, no, it's fine. You just heat up the, the, the tent, and the ice, the top layer of the ice is all that melts. And I'm like... We're melting ice that is supporting us. Doesn't seem like the best idea. Doesn't seem like a smart plan. But as far as uh, with you guys, you want to throw anything out there for how people can contact you or anything like that? I mean, we got monsterbass.com with all the great merchandise on there, but anything else that you. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, if you're interested in, in, in checking out uh, a box for yourself, um, you can always use a, a promo code SAVE20 and save 20% off uh, your next purchase over at MonsterBass.com. Um, or you can hit me up on Instagram. Um, my co-host is getting on the line here. I get it. Come here. I get it. You should be on my show and, uh, and, and when the mailman comes. 
my, my dog eats the mail every single day. And uh, you would think that the mailman was an intruder. But if I let the dog out the door, he just runs to the mailman and then like licks his hand. Uh, but it took a while because he used to get sprayed on a twice a week basis because they would think that my little nine pound dog was attacking him until I finally convinced them that I was like, look, dude, my dog couldn't attack anybody. He, he just wants to play and he's excited to see you. And uh, so artist gives um, out treats. And so he barks every time he sees him to remind him to put the treat in the mailbox. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, uh, you can reach out to me on Instagram, um, Rick Patry, uh, or you can always hit me up at Rick at monsterbass.com. I'm, I'm a, I'm an, I'm an open book. Uh, I do appreciate you coming on and uh, keep up the great work you guys are doing over there. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you. And, and thank you for your service. I mean, um, you know, what you guys do is, is obviously so important. And, um, do they have a first responders day? No. Nah. Well, we have, yeah. <laughs> so we have, you have uh, law enforcement week, EMS week. Oh, I guess that- if you want to count them nurses week, but we kind of, there's a nice battle between EMS and nurses. So we, oh, we, sure. we, we, we unofficially call that. Yeah, we unofficially call that Dr. Helper Week. Um, <laughs> and they refer to EMS Week as Ambulance Driver Week. Sure. So, yeah, we get the week, and we always laugh because it's you, you go into EMS Week, you go in the hospitals, they've got donuts and everything else that the cops have eaten for you, which is always nice. And yeah. for a week, we get, we really appreciate you. And then you go back the next week and you get, why are you here? So, right. good times, good times. So, yeah. but yeah. thank you again for being on. And as I tell everybody, keep those lines tight and a good day fishing is always better than a bad day at work, but a bad day fishing is still better than the best day at work. True that.